Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You see yourself as the closer. <laughs> Grumpy, a man apart. Yeah, it's 11 in a row for you, much like it's 7 in a row for Cluxton. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Time to turn our attention to the Camogie final this weekend. Upcoming Cork versus Waterford. Sarah O'Donovan, good morning. Good morning, lads. How's it going? Keeping well. We were uh, we were chatting, as you know, to Chloe Morrow yesterday, and she made the point that the entire country, bar one county, is supporting Waterford this weekend. How does that feel to to know that everyone is against you? It's probably true. It's <laughs> this is the David versus Goliath story. This is the mead of the ladies' football world <laughs> opportunity for Waterford. If they were to do this, that would be the scenario. This would be coming up from Division One B. Having never, I suppose, really challenged any of the teams, no team has challenged Cork, Kilkenny or Galway since 2012. Dublin tried it in 2017, failed to make the final. Tipperary failed to make the final and Watford come out of nowhere, parachuted into the final on Sunday. And I think they have a chance. They absolutely did come out of nowhere, didn't they? Like they, they, I don't think there was any people, any pundits giving them a chance at the start of the season, but the way in which they play... It's exciting as well. They go. I mean, they they go for goals. Cork tend to concede goals, so that sets it up a little bit um, nicely, I guess. Yeah, I I've been following the team since probably 2020. So I was in the management crowd with Dublin when we relegated them from the league in 2020, and really really concerned at the time. I was saying to you last week, Shane, that mm. Watford would disappear. They've had. I think three different managers in the last five years. So that's another narrative that's kind of hard to to fathom. Dan Shanahan was in there in 2020. Derek Lyons, Callum Lyons' dad, was in there for the last number of years, done amazing work. And now this year, a new manager again in Sean Power. So, you know, they've had so many setbacks and they've had so much, I suppose, inconsistency in terms of their setups, their resources. The group themselves, though, has stayed together. And as you mentioned, Ridiculous goals from the likes of Neve Rocket, Beth Carton, class class players in the likes of Brianna O'Regan, Lorraine Bray. It's just such a solid, cohesive group, and I think that's why they're in the All Ireland final on Sunday. When we chat about this whatever team, we inevitably start talking about Beth Carton quite a bit, but I think there's there's good reason for that. I mean, she is she is brilliant, Sarah, and that's one large enough headache for for Cork this weekend. It is, I suppose, from from Cork's point of view, they've had large headaches all season, yeah. so. In Galway, they've had some, you know, incredibly good players to be look, especially the likes of Siobhan McGrath, uh, Aoife Donoghue in midfield for Galway, but they managed her. Uh, in terms of Kilkenny and what they, you know, did against Kilkenny in Croke Park just a, a short number of weeks ago, again, Cork have had to manage big players and have done so all season. So I don't think Cork will be as concerned about one player as maybe the rest of the country will. Cork, one thing mentioned by uh, by Chloe Morey and even yourself after the semi-final, I think it was as well, Sarah, was the the Cork impact from the bench, the strength and depth, like when you have people like um, Ashley Thompson coming off the bench sometimes and Hayes as well <clears throat> is another. That's that's something that I guess Cork can turn to because when you get to that you know, 45, 50 minute mark, that's what you need. You need that extra little burst. Yeah, but, you know, I was reading Carl O'Neill call, calling his uh, the subs for Limerick Herders, the bomb squad. Mm-hmm. Do Cork start the bomb squad or hold the bomb squad because you've got three all-stars on the bench there, Ashley Thompson, Orla Cronin, Laura Hayes, who didn't start the semi-final. You know, Matthew Toomey has a big question on his hands because do you go with your strongest 15 or do you start the consistent 15 that have got you to this point? 
I wouldn't like to be in his shoes this week trying to figure out his best 15. Which would you do, sir? Go for broke. I'd have every player, if they're fit enough, they're good enough, they're on the starting 15. Yeah, I'd have Ashling in. The only thing about Ashling, I suppose, compared to Laura Hayes is Ashling's just back from an ACL. She mm. did it, I think, September, October of last year. So to even get back in the time frame that she has is, is pretty ridiculous. Um, Laura Hayes had a foot injury in the start of the year. I don't know how impacted she is. Maybe they are on borrowed time. Maybe they are only able to pay for 20, 25 minutes, I suppose, which which is great for the girls who are starting because it you know gives them an opportunity to get in. But uh, I just don't know how fit the girls are and whether they have 60 minutes in them. So maybe the question has answered itself. There are some big selection headaches for Cork and it's not just those decisions to, to kind of start the bomb squad or not. Um, yeah. But I guess in a final, these, the, in some ways people would argue you stick with what, what, what's gotten you here. So I guess the semi-final team is the probably the favourite one. Yeah, and, and look, they've been very consistent all year. I was speaking last week about the dual player issue for Cork. They've had a really kind of tough summer in that consistently week on week they've had players going to the footballers one week staying with the Camogie the next week the likes of Libby Coppinger Hannah Looney Orla Cahillan that's another headache for Cork both sides for the ladies footballers as well where you have players available but you're not sure whether they'll be playing Camogie or football in any week and then they're training with the footballers one night they're training with the Camogie the other night if you look at the other teams involved in the championship uh, Galway didn't have that headache they don't have dual players Kilkenny don't have dual players so this is another kind of I suppose positive for Cork in that they've come through the dual player issue and beaten Kilkenny and Galway who didn't have the same issue The other thing about this final Sarah is that it's it's a novel fixture I mean was someone saying the first time since 2012 that we haven't had you know the Cork Galway Kilkenny mm-hmm. uh, I guess trifecta two of them in, in it so from that perspective it's a good thing for Camogie you'd imagine stretches the stretches the horizons a little bit it does, and, and Antrim played in the quarterfinal against mm. Tip, which was another novel pairing. I suppose it's just from the point of view of the teams outside of the top six, the resources that you need to be able to get into the top six and the money that you need to spend. County boards would find it very difficult to consistently, I suppose, deliver those resources for the, for those players. So to keep Waterford's Antrim's, the Tipperary's in around the top six and keep the competition competitive, you have to spend money. Sarah, I was just reading the attendance on Sunday. I think the anticipation is sort of the 30,000 mm. territory. Um, and I know cause it can sometimes be annoying around like your showpiece games that people end up sort of really analysing these things very closely and maybe not, not so much the match itself. But like, is that good? Is that sort of a, a respectable figure? Or would there be a feeling there's more potential there to develop? Or is that sort of, yeah, that's reflective of where things are? I think 30,000 is reflective where things are. If you look at the, I suppose, the, the the League of Ireland, I suppose, is the kind of juxtaposition here because that's what you're, that's what I'd be identifying against. And what what would we get in the Aviva for an FAI Cup final in terms of the men's side? Would would be, we look at 40,000 or 30,000? Yeah, I think it's been 30, it's, it's gone up to upwards of 35 the last couple of years. But after after a couple of years where it fell well below it, yeah. yeah. And I suppose if if we look at kind of them in comparison, if you're getting ladies finals and you're getting 30,000 there and you're getting 30,000 at the men's finals, that's where I see it. I think it's bang on right now. Dublin and Meath in the ladies football was kind of the sweet spot for the ladies football yeah. to get them over the 50K because of the proximity. Um, but for for the setup, I suppose we had 7,000 people in Nolan Park two weeks ago. 
um, for the Camogie semi-finals. The hurling was on the Sunday. So again, that was a big showing for the Camogie side on a Saturday when you'd, I suppose, the showpiece in the hurling on the Sunday. So if you're looking at close to 50,000 people coming to the Camogie between the quarterfinals, semi-finals and finals, that, that's pretty good. And uh, it should be on an upward trajectory then from there. Yeah, and I, I sometimes think like the week-to-week is more important or the, the rounds building up to it because the final is the final. Mm-hmm. But it's actually to make it more than that one time a year, that one trip a year. And I think that, to me, is almost more significant than people sort of labouring on. It's easy sometimes to run free buses to a final or to do things like that. But it's actually the more consistency, to me, that's, that is the trend that you should be watching, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and look, this it's it, it's hard to find a, a sweet spot in terms of whether you play the games on a Saturday evening, whether you play them on a Sunday, you clash them with the hurling, you clash them with the football. They're they're with this microwave championship or with the season being so short, they're running right into the men's games. And the question is, where where do you take the kids? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's a real hard one. But semi-final was unbelievable in terms of the atmosphere in Nolan Park. And that was driven by Waterford. As they never stopped chanting from, <laughs> this was the 24th minute um, when they got the goal. They just kept going. And that was a real driver for them. So I know... Uh, Chloe had said yesterday about the 16th man in Croke Park being really important and, and, you know, Waterford bringing those crowds. Yeah, could be big. it could be big on Sunday for Waterford if, if they get the crowds in. Could have an impact for sure. Um, the, the other thing from the core perspective, Sarah, I guess, is the pain of losing consecutive finals. That's not something you, you get rid of too quickly, especially when it's this current crop that have, that have experienced it. Um, is that something that you can kind of utilize or, or is it, I guess each year is different but I mean it, it certainly has an impact that I guess that um, that pain never leaves you so this group has kind of I suppose under delivered since 2018 but we're not talking you know massive margins we're talking by a point losing mm. to Kilkenny by a point losing to Galway by a point they've been losing games in, in you know the last minute in injury time Really, really heartbreaking stuff. Uh, Saoirse McCarthy got player of the match in the semi-final, uh, midfielder for Cork. This is her sixth season with Cork. Year on year on year, she's been coming to the, I suppose, the ultimate ultimate minute and, and losing. So there's a lot of pain, I think, bottled for that group of girls. And the issue, I suppose, is for them is, as Chloe mentioned yesterday, there's a big cohort of people would love to see Waterford do this. So Cork nearly have to cut out the noise, give a performance. And if they deliver a performance on Sunday with the group that they have, this game shouldn't be an issue for them. I was listening to a conversation, I think, with or reading with Amy O'Connor during the week. Mm. And funny how she, in an alternate universe, could have been maybe coming home from, from Australia with this team from the same parish, I think, in Ochnahini as, as Denise O'Sullivan would have played underage, um, even at an international level with her. So that's... That's an interesting strand as well. That you know, what a big week for her. I guess she's been watching and following the women's World Cup closely, but we'll be in Croke Park on Sunday. These would have been all her former teammates. So there was an under seventeen squad there a, a number of years ago, which included Denise, uh, Claire Shine, um, Sarah, to, to the Mayo footballer. Sarah Rowe was I, in it as well. Yeah, no, yeah, Sarah Rowe was in it. Yeah, and Amy. Um, Amy has pace to burn, lads. Uh, it, it, she's incredible but we're very lucky that she went to UCC and decided to to pit herself uh, with Kamui and play Ashburn and for her to be captain um, of Cork and I suppose she's a real talent right uh, 
and a, and a goal-scoring forward, which which is crucial for Cork on Sunday. Um, it would be huge for her to bring it back to St. Vincent's. Really, really proud club. So I suppose she just has to block out the noise as well, right? And, and get the job done on Sunday because so many times in the last six years, they've failed to get over the line. There are these annoying people, Dan, and, and sometimes it happens in the, in the office. Jenny <laughs> Claffey being one of them that's just super talented at a number of different sports. Sarah's another one as well. So Sarah, underage Irish soccer international, yeah. as well as the camogie. It's just, like, did you walk around school with the, just the head held high, Sarah, and, and the ego? Just like, does it, does it affect your personality is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, I went to an all-girls school and they thought I was a massive tom- tomboy. So I, I don't think they even took any notice. Uh, I was obviously very rarely in school in fifth and sixth year because I had so much on. Um, you weren't mitching, other... you weren't mitching, you were just, you actually had sport on, to be fair. Up, yeah, up and down the train on a Friday, back to school on a Monday. Absolutely nuts stuff. Uh, would I recommend it? I think you, uh, you have to really. It's Yeah, it's an incredible experience to have, but... I suppose for for the likes of Amy and Denise, they came at, at such a such a positive time in, in Cork uh, soccer that they were they were in a great group and they mm. they became really successful. Yeah, I'd love to be ten years younger to <laughs> yeah. be able to get a chance to play professional soccer. Yeah, now there is like there's probably a whole there's generations there that probably missed those opportunities. I mean, mm. that's the reality. Like it's it's I think in other in other codes like we've we've generally sorted out sort of talent ID and, and you know the, the sort of the strongest can sort of get to the peak of their potential but there's obviously a couple of areas where that hasn't been the case at all yeah. I think definitely like women's football is definitely soccer like is 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 high up that list you know and there's opportunities there I think, I think people like Katie Taylor and people like that you know like mm-hmm. it's sort of um, I'm not saying she wouldn't have gone the route that she did but but clearly if there was a I don't know a full time contract somewhere at the age of 18 do you sort They're of think, in. yeah well I mean it's 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 look at I mean the flip side of that is that a lot of the players who are going to England now say the money actually isn't that good and I think that this is a part of it as well that it's it's actually it's great to commit to your passion but it's not something that's setting them up longer term either and that's why you kind of have to look at the education thing here in my opinion so there's a lot of there's a lot of elements to it you know and it's it's probably going to develop over the next period of time the best players, I suppose, in my group as well. Katie Taylor was in was in my team, but uh, Mary Waldron and I don't know if you saw, she's retired this week. She's been playing cricket for the last, I think, thirteen years with Ireland. <laughs> mm. uh, Mary was our captain. She was an incredible soccer player. And uh, Mary Curtin was on RT this week uh, with this with doing the soccer coverage again. An incredible soccer player. There are so many players who. I suppose look enviously now at the WSL, going, "What could have been?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those things. I guess you just have to make those. Sorry, I I uh, I call it mitching, but I'm told by by column producer column here, Cork man, of course, that it's skiving in Cork. <laughs> what do you call it then? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't know. Obviously. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Really I only know when other people told me. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. What the word was? Nerd. I'm being called a nerd here. <laughs> I was head prefect column. I'll have you know. So oh, I'm going to tell the principal on you. Uh, but thanks for that. Uh, no, the the other one I met, I wanted to bring up, and we, we mentioned her name already. Sarah was was Ashley Thompson. Um, I, I saw it was Amy O'Connor actually talking about Ashley Thompson during the week, and she was praising her for her injury recovery, um, and she kind of missed the stoppage time opportunity to level the decider last year against Kilkenny so I'm sure she holds on to that but is she someone that you would like to see well I guess she is she's part of that bomb squad she starts if she could start that would be amazing but 
you know, in terms of her fitness, I don't know if she has 60 minutes with yeah. with with the ACL. Like, I suppose you'll find, and I found myself that you kind of get 20, 30 minutes and the leg gets really tired and then you don't have the energy to keep going. So maybe it is that this season she will be confined to that kind of second half. But she was incredible last year when she came on against Waterford in the semi-final. Mm. And they may have PTSD when they see her coming on in the final if, you know, if, if that's the case this time around because she literally turned the game on its head last year. Waterford were in control. They were looking really comfortable and this powerhouse performance from Ashling from midfield last year in Croke Park. It'll be something that they'll probably watch this year to get it out of their system uh, b- before the game starts because it's Ashling's movement and the way she can sweep up so much, I suppose, the danger ball in front of Beth Carton. Yeah, Waterford have a lot of uh, a lot of plugs to to fill over the mm. next uh, couple of days to figure out how they're going to contain this Cork team because we haven't even spoken about Katrina Mackey mm. and she was so impressive in the semi final. Briefly, Sarah, who's winning and by how much? <laughs> Cork by six. Oof, that's fair. That's head and hard. I think that's not just that's just not just hard. That's Cork delivering a performance that they absolutely have to deliver. Mm. They owe this to themselves. Yeah, I can't wait for that final. It's going to be a cracker. And the, the intermediate and junior finals, of course, on, on Sunday afternoon in Croke Park as well. Sarah, brilliant stuff as always. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.